Welcome back to Women Get Lit. And today's episode, Creativity, Academia, and Mrs. Dalloway. Today, I'll be speaking with my friend, Dagger. I've known Dagger for many years. We went to an all-girls school together and studied English A-level together. Dagger studies, Dagger studies French at Oxford University. She's incredibly talented in art, music, and languages. Both of us have been exposed to the same media, books, films growing up. In this episode, we'll be talking about creativity. How can we express our creativity? What inspires us? What makes us passionate? How is our creativity linked to literature? Dagger studies in an incredibly intense academic setting. I want to center this discussion around her creative freedom. The main text we'll be discussing today is Virginia Woolf's Mrs. Dalloway. Others that we will mention are Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte, Voyage in the Dark by Jean Rhys. We studied these books at the peak of the hashtag MeToo movement. This has become a subconscious influence on our study. For those unfamiliar with Virginia Woolf's Mrs. Dalloway, the novel takes place in one day, June 1923. It shows how the First World War continued to have an effect on those who lived through it. I studied Mrs. Dalloway in an all-girls school environment and a mixed-gender university setting. And initially, when I first read the text, it was all about women, creativity, women's relationship with men, their surroundings, each other, nature. Rissa was a sort of main protagonist, if that's what you can call her in a modernist text, embodied, for me at least, passion, the need and desire to restore female creativity through nature. I could express these thoughts freely in sixth form. There was so much focus and understanding of women's struggles, analysing what it meant to live in a Georgian society. There was this collective freedom and understanding among women. We discussed Clarissa's heartbreaking identity crisis, marriage, bearing children, the intimacy of being connected with nature and the blissful moments only women can share. These discussions never rose at uni. They were much more surface level. At uni, Wolf's interests were reduced to writing about war, entity. But the topics of female creativity that I was passionate about were not necessarily shut down. They were just not provoked. I had a male seminar leader opposed to an all-girls school with the topic of female violence, oppression, struggles, was the highlight of every lesson. But Virginia Woolf was creative, her novels even more so. It is at the core of her writing, to the use of free and direct discourse, to the apocalyptic imagery of PTSD. And instead of provoking fear, I wish to expose the beauty and creativity of her mind. It is something that went unnoticed in my seminars and that I wish to highlight today. What do you think of Mrs. Dalloway? Did you enjoy it? So the first time I actually read it, I was like, okay, cool. This is just a regular book that we have to study and I have to analyze. And, you know, only when we went through it with our teacher, did I realize how filled with femininity and this collective subconscious that we might share with both men and women together how we're all kind of interlinked 
really jumped out at us. And I think the way our teacher really described fluidity, this regeneration of the female psyche was incredible. And I think I've taken that into like my studies now, my life now, and especially with what you mentioned earlier, the intrusion of the masculine into the feminine space. You experience things in life and you have this feeling of like, oh, you know, I want to be alone in my space, be creative. But then there is this intrusion or some negative experiences that you might have with men and you don't necessarily know how to pinpoint that. And I think mm-hmm. that book was incredibly formative in maybe explaining that kind of phenomenon in a way. When we were reading it, I definitely found I do have those external feelings of intrusion sometimes that I didn't mm-hmm. really know how to name. Another thing that really stuck with me, which I only realized at uni when I had a male seminar leader, he wasn't very comfortable with talking about female creativity or male violence or the male intrusion. I feel like I really internalized those words like dominance, male tyranny, male violence, female submission that were like constantly reiterated to us when we were studying the text. And that really shaped me. Yeah, it was something that I really struggled with because I was like, oh, so being creative and feminine means that I should be threatened. What accompanied you when you read Mrs. Dalloway? I think definitely what you said with being 17-year-old girls being thrown maybe wasn't fair, but I think it was very good in a way that mm-hmm. we could form our own kind of experiences from it like you're saying you took away the dominance kind Mm. of aspect of men and I think whilst for me it's kind of easy to follow that path as well I think some experiences that I've had in uni now kind of reshaped my idea of what masculinity may mean this kind of agenda where men are intruding the female space they're not really associated with creativity or regenerative energy I think that's quite unfair we Mm. see sexist being a direct translation of Clarissa and being her double. And these men, Richard, who's quite stoic and mm. almost takes away Clarissa's identity, but is incredibly understanding of her. He allows her to flourish and be, you know, herself. But then on the other hand, he still is a man. Peter, I think he was really that embodiment of masculine intrusion that gets annoyed at women who reject him. And I think there is some truth to that in real life. But we also have to remember that it's not just men who like mm. marginalized women. It's also horizontal hostility that women experience. I think that's what I took away, that creativity is a space for everyone as long as you want to be in tune with it. That's different from what I took away. And it was actually pointed out to me by my male professor. We were studying a completely different text, The Voyage in the Dark by Jean Rhys. And I was injecting those same like feelings and thoughts I had with Mrs. Dalloway. I remember he said something like, oh, as a man, I felt really uncomfortable with that because I don't know how I'm meant to react. I remember saying something like, what? Like, she could have been so much more harsh with these men. This is nothing. And then that made me realise that, oh, it's not him who's the problem and I shouldn't be attacking him, that maybe it's my unresolved sort of feelings. I feel like I really internalised, not just Mrs. Dalloway, but other texts that were concerned with female violence onto myself I think because I didn't have I didn't grow up with a man in the house I was always in a really female dominated environment I didn't know any better so I would be influenced by the women that I read so how did you feel about the way Wolf portrays women 
are they necessarily feminine? I think they're feminine in a way that goes against the stigma that women are feminine in a kind of loose, less fair attitude. You know, Clarissa, she's this kind of goddess that wields mm. the umbrella. She fights against this intrusion. I think that is part of femininity that is strong. And like, as you said, I have a real problem as well with, I don't know, maybe accepting the masculine energy in my own space I quite mm. like feminine domain again I live with my mom I don't really like men in the house there's always a moment where they I don't know step out of line it has to be actively purged maybe it has to come from women you know telling mm. their self it's not necessarily women's you know agenda but I think everyone in general should I have novels that I'm studying now mm. and I refer back to the same pattern of analysis mm. those women because they do represent women who have been subjugated and forced into oppressive situations the fact that this trope repeats itself shows that there is active fighting back so do you find wolf's female characters empowering then the positive sides that she mentions you know (laughs) being linked to nature fight back against the masculine that seeks to dominate them and overpower them yes a hundred percent i think it's made me much more assertive. Like after reading that book, mm. I remember feeling, okay, you know, I can have my own identity. I don't necessarily need to be defined mm. by the structure of femininity that has been like propagated. We should support people because they're good people. The thing that should be celebrated is this being in tune with nature, being in tune with mm. yourself, your true self, not something that society has imposed on you. That's something I've been trying to approach and do now I've moved out. I'm at uni, I'm growing an independent life. This is just like an example, but I still question, do I want to get married? Do I want to have kids? Or is it something that has been imposed on me by my mom, by society? I don't know, men, whatever. As soon as I started questioning it and being like, no, actually, you know what? I don't really want to have kids. I like the independent me and I'm scared to kind of lose that independence. I started getting so much hate. And backlash, it was like, suddenly all this societal expectation started like... Weighing down on you. Weighing down on me, exactly. With the whole movement and all of this, you know, women don't have to have kids. At the same time, there's that hostility Mm. when a woman says, oh, actually, I want to be independent. I found that quite hard. And that's why I relate to Mrs. Dalloway when she said that she loses that inner self within marriage but also I don't think you can always seek that comfort and that support in other women I fully understand I I kind of was the opposite I never wanted to have kids I was very much like I don't want a family but I I came to uni and I I think I've come into my own a bit more where I want to accept the fact that I want to be multifaceted. I think I've stopped viewing myself a bit too harshly where I'm going to make so many mistakes. What am I, how am I going to bring children? Is there a right time to do that? And I think the most important thing is finding that one person that you know will support you when things go wrong. But I think it really comes down to just doing what feels right for you at that time. Right now, you don't want kids, you don't want a family. That's okay. My friend always says, let yourself feel this way. Feeling all those emotions, really analysing things is is super important. And yeah. not propagating any, like, trauma that, like, families have experienced, mm. I think is really mindful. And I think you're very hyper-aware and sensitive to all these topics that I think that's incredible and some a skill and also 
just a state of being that is really important to pass on. It doesn't have to be to children, it can be to friends. That's really valuable. It's hard to accept that feminine side of you sometimes. There was a time where I tried to just reject that feminine side of me, that gentle side. Obviously that came with, I think, with heartbreak and being mistreated by guys. But it's another thing that I had to learn. I really felt like I had to step my game up and not be like, I don't want to say child, but that kind of feeble femininity. You kind of have to step up and everyone talks about how like the men are the the, the head of the household. You have to take care of your mum or not even take care of her, but be on an equal playing field where you need to help her make decisions. It really pushes you into the agenda of like, right, I'm assertive, I'm yeah. strong, I'm these yeah. man decisions when in fact they're not many decisions they are just decisions when you date these men who are very they push you into the masculine it's a feeling that you need to mother them and you can support him you can be all these nourishing things that we associate with motherhood but not feel like a mother there's yeah. a difference when they expect you to mother them and i'm not gonna yes. mother anybody you know there's a difference between being taken care of as an equal partner and treated as if there's a patriarch Rochester Jane Everett no one wants the Rochester in their life I do have a tendency to like mother guys there are some guys who let me mother them and that's what they seek within me and if I don't know any better that's subconsciously I start to mother them and I feel like sometimes the men need to put the boundaries there as well and you know when I start to put boundaries which frustrates me so much like this comes from both men and women suddenly I'm you know seen as emasculating men and that I'm being too harsh and that I need to be more feminine with men but then when I'm being more feminine then they associate that with mothering. Don't you feel like when you get pushed into these like situations, you feel slightly resentful? It's so frustrating. If they're not pushing you to grow yourself, mm. even if you are perfect, then yeah. they're doing something wrong. Like you constantly want to be changing. And like, you know, in my previous relationships, I've been very, you know, I thought I was doing the right thing, like kind of moral high ground or whatever. But in actual fact, I wasn't willing to change and they just weren't the right people. When you are put in this, healthy environment with someone you want to grow and change it's so much easier to do that so where did you see the instances of creativity in wolf's writing you know that moment where she's cutting the buds off the flower the heads of the flowers and she puts them in the water yes firstly incredible art yes i Um, love that scene so much anytime i cut a flower i'm like oh i'm gonna put it in water but i think her relation to nature flowers and even Mm. that like collective forest that really ties into creativity i think going back to nature being inspired i think nature is an incredible source of inspiration and awe and admiration like you Mm. literally step outside you're out on a lake you see the beautiful surroundings the dew the mist Mm. the sunset whatever and you're like wow life is so incredibly beautiful and you feel this like power imbue you it's not necessary that when you feel that you're able to translate that into art but you know I think it's important to be inspired and kind of let that energy grow and Mm. transform other people I think that nature aspect is incredibly important with Septimus even he kind of embodies this more apocalyptic i feel like there's something so beautiful about even though like we did suggest that septimus might be schizophrenic and that this is all down to mental health and the kind of destruction he faces in the trenches but i think there's something so beautiful when he goes into the underworld and he starts seeing his friend and that connection 
of the yeah. souls I think there's something so like kind of profound in that and there's one description where it's like he sees these red flowers in flames it's incredibly powerful I think that we yeah. can have these facilities to be imaginative even if it is down to whatever the foundation of that is I think we have incredible capacity to be imaginative and that energy needs to be resourced harnessed you're a creative person what inspires your creativity do you know what sometimes it's just a little spark it just happens and yeah. if I don't think about it it's gonna like eat at me the most recent thing that happened to me was I suddenly got an image of an octopus in my head impulsively bought some clay and it was like 3am in the morning and I sat down and made a clay octopus I don't know where it came from <laughs> it just had to happen mm-hmm. sometimes I like to tune out and do something creative especially when that creativity can be linked to other people that's also quite fun I hyper fixate on beautiful things and I'm Mm -hmm. like oh they need to be kind of immortalized and it's not enough yeah I want to participate in nature nature definitely does inspire me as well I think I write my best poetry in nature but I mean like sometimes I'm writing a poem or I have an image and I want to imprint this image into the world but I don't know how I'm meant to do that you know sometimes it's so powerful it just overpowers me and it's kind of a cool feeling and you can't even put it into words sometimes there was this one time where I was in Poland looking at the sunset and Mm -hmm. someone was putting one of those lanterns that you light up I was looking at that scene and I literally just started crying because I was like how Mm. on earth could I explain how beautiful this feeling is I do not have the facilities to write poetry unfortunately it's such an intense amazing feeling if you allow mm. yourself to feel it but also even with like languages is it easier for you to write in polish or english it really depends i used to never write in polish it was only for like mm-hmm. polish school and then it was actually at uni this year where it was suggested i write prose or poetry and then i would have some polish quotes like two words or something and one of my seminar leaders was like have you ever tried writing in polish And I was like, what? No, that is just not for me. And when I tried it, I think it was a poem I wrote in Polish. And it just unlocked a whole level of creativity. I was like, wow, I can use these different words. And when I try to translate it, it just loses its meaning. There's something very intimate about Mm. writing in Polish for me. I find it much harder for people to read my work when it's written in Polish than it is when I write in English. When I write in English, I'm like, okay, I had this creative idea and now I'm like ready to share it. And when I write in Polish, it's like, no, this is a part of me. This, I'm not, I don't think I'm ready to expose that vulnerability, but also music inspires my creativity so much. Like I love music. And I had like a similar situation in Poland as well. I was like, it was like over summer and I think like my phone died or something. I was like completely cut off from the world. And I was just sitting there in this little music band and they started playing the saxophone. I was like, wow, this is so magical. It just really touched me and I felt so connected with the music and the people and my surroundings. And it was just such a interconnected moment that I can't really describe the way I feel people see creativity they're like oh paintings or drawing but I feel creativity is so much more than that and when you discover it it's so powerful Sana like the singer yeah she is like one of the biggest I think examples of beautiful writing yeah. it's just you know combining the music and like lyricism it's just 
so insanely beautiful like the phrases there's something about it you feel so connected i feel she's able to express her emotions so well in those lyrics and songs and then i feel so connected to her even though i literally don't know like history i also feel poland reading polish poetry or like listening to sana when she recorded those old polish poems like which are about war and patriotism it just touches something different in me it sparks something else i feel way more connected than i do when i read english I also feel creativity manifests itself in those vulnerable places. So how do you like to express yourself? Honestly, just in everything. It can range from makeup. (laughs) Also, you know, even like my academic essays, that's something I've thought up, my thought on paper. And it is a form of expression. Otherwise, I would not be here at uni. (laughs) And I think expressing yourself doesn't necessarily have to be strictly in the creative realm. Mm. It can be the way you hold yourself in Mm. conversation with people painting has recently become something Mm. i have chosen to do and it's mostly flowers clothes everything just as long as i have my say or my input (laughs) i'm good i think i don't like to have my voice stifled so how would you describe your relationship with your creativity oh honestly it's been a rocky part (laughs) (laughs) so i think back in primary school and like mm-hmm. school, I was incredibly in tune with like creativity I'd sit down every like literally almost every day and do something creative and make mm-hmm. that like part of my agenda yeah I also have like a really wild imagination like I will sit down and think of the most insane scenarios just because I like to think of realms but then like when I came to uni I definitely put creativity on a backstop to the point where like I actually hated to read. Like, mm. I didn't want to look books. I didn't want to look at poetry. Mm. Words disgusted me. I didn't even want to touch painting. Like, I had nothing in me. I went through the same stage at some point. There was honestly, like, two months where I was like, I I don't know who I... I don't know what I like. I don't mm-hmm. know who I am. I have no passions. Like, mm. imagine thinking I am an empty vessel with no yeah. passions. And I'm just here to yeah. do A, B, C, and that is my purpose. Yeah. I did not like that one bit and it took me honestly the summer and like the end of kind of the academic year not start but return to like my adventurous self and I think really connecting with people people that are good for your like mental health and supportive of the decisions you make and now obviously I'm in exam season so my creativity is like kind of on the back on the backstop but I try to read a bit of poetry I I'm actually in the middle of a knitting project, which mm. I started. I was very, very crocheting. There's, yeah, apparently there's a difference. And finding people to share those moments with. You know, it's all good and well being in tune with your creativity. But how are you sharing it? I've made it a thing to be like, look, here's my octopus made out of clay. <laughs> like something silly, but something that someone else can enjoy. That's really sweet. I like what you said. Essays can be creative as well. Like you said that that's part of you, the voice and, and your thoughts, your, I don't know, your interpretation. But my question for you is, has the academic environment, obviously you're studying at Oxford, has that affected your creativity? So first year I did law with French law. I mean, listen, I love law. That's never going to go away. I'm both like a creative and academic person, (laughs) but (laughs) I would say. So those, those two things are really important to me. But, you know, I didn't necessarily like the way it was going you know how it was structured and stuff like that not necessarily a bad thing it just wasn't for me at the time that's not to say I won't go back to law in future I didn't realize how much I would miss French and the kind of creativity that it imposed 
when I switched to French, honestly, like it's all come back. Last year, I was sitting in my room crying because French music sounds so beautiful. And, you know, French really allows you to explore such a wide range of things. Now I'm looking at classics, I'm looking at poetry, and there's so many beautiful things to take away from that. But I've now become so in tune with it that I've recovered all of my passions. Being in tune with your passions and like your kind of mental power, I think really helps you discover who you want to be as a person in just everyday mm-hmm. life. Obviously at uni, we're in mixed gender environments, but do you think attending an all-girls school affected your relationship with your creativity in any way? I think what I appreciated about being in a girls' school was the fact that I could be in my feminine without interruption. And I think that if there was some masculine intrusion at that like formative part of my life, I would be a bit more unwilling to share the creative space so like willingly and maybe even talk about things so freely. But luckily I'm in a place where there is no judgment and mm. nothing has really changed in, in that respect. Maybe my relationship with like men and that, their attitude and things like that, sure. But creative wise, I think no. But then I'm again, maybe I would have pushed against that. That's interesting. I definitely agree. I feel like going to an all-girls school does give you that space to talk about, as you said, topics that you might feel a bit shy or uncomfortable speaking about in front of guys. Like, that's kind of my experience at uni now. Like, obviously, like, the English department is very female-dominated. So I'm mostly surrounded by women. But I do realise even if there's, like, one or two guys the discussions seem to center around everything but women do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean and when they do center around women when it when the guys are there it's very much like well yeah patriarchy is bad and that's kind of Mm -hmm. where it ends do you know what I mean but when it's just women there's so much more depth to that and there's way more understanding of what it's like to be a woman and I think I really appreciate that and it's something that I didn't appreciate when we were in school It was something that I found really frustrating, I think. But now I'm like, you know what? I can be connected with other women and it's not such a bad thing. (laughs) Yeah. No, I I agree. I think now that you've actually mentioned that, there's this one book called Andiana and it's Mm -hmm. about, it's very political, politically charged of like France in the 1800s or whatever. And this woman, she's kind of an Ophelia-esque, woman like she's very Mm -hmm. in tune with water there's mention of like her kind of returning to water maybe dying potentially Mm. and all of these things but there's you know a lot of masculine influence she is very very heavily like oppressed by her husband Mm. this i'm not going to go too much into it but basically i was writing an essay about it and the question was something about political discourse and all of that and i was like okay that's all great but being a woman who kind of represents France in a way and this kind of ability to maybe move from the realms of realism and idealism into like topic ending in the end you know she kind of signifies a champion of female power because she's the one who is doing and you know I went on a tangent about her and you know I mentioned that Ralph and the other guy were quite politically charged and all of these things right but for me her being that Marianne of France in a way was quite politically charged and placed but I don't think there was an agreement that this was quite as important and I'm sitting there like 
I think the feminine feminine energy it being like pushing against the stigma and the prejudices of women who you know this was before the feminist movement women weren't really allowed to write or when they did write they were pushed aside and they didn't even consider themselves as feminist they actively said actually we're not feminist is problematic because you know that is such a valuable theme in those books that looking just strictly at politics and naming patriarchy but not going into the effects of basically there's an easy road to go down where you say patriarchy that affects on women are subjugation oppression and all of that okay but are they not fighting back they are and that expressed nature all these things you can't just talk about politics even the politics of gender and like class and race without mentioning all these other factors and it's just so incredibly limiting that I could go on for pages and pages and pages <laughs> it's just you know it's not possible I have one last question for you how do you find time to pursue your creative interests when I'm at home from uni I make it a point that for the first two weeks or okay it's usually the first week I definitely do not do any work I don't look at any academic research mm. I don't I don't even look at any books that might be linked Mm -hmm. to academia. If I'm reading a book, it is fiction, it is fantasy, or it's poetry about nature or even like just anything. First week, that's how it goes. And I try to learn a new skill. Obviously, my degree is quite creative in the sense that, you know, I'm able to be in tune with lots of cultural Mm. uh, nuances. And that is incredibly fascinating. So I have that daily dosage of like, oh, there's something new. Oh, I can express myself this way. But... I think it's important for me to like during the week be like okay Sunday I'm gonna spend 50 minutes painting or mm-hmm. you know hey friend do you want to come crochet with me or mm. let's go sing. even just putting on some music as I'm getting ready to go out yeah. I think you know singing a little bit dancing a little I have like I have like 1am energy a lot of the time so <laughs> That's usually when I'm like annoying my boyfriend being like, let's dance or let's paint. Just being surrounded by people who are interested in arts and anything creative. I like to learn from them as well. And I think that's also Mm. an incredible of creativity. But definitely in my free time, I tend to prioritize creativity over work. I think, you know, my mum, she used to be amazing at painting and drawing. Like I have drawings from when I was little that she used to draw. And I sat down with her. And I was like, Mom, you know, draw me some something. And she drew something, and I thought it was beautiful. But she was like, this is, like, awful. She didn't even want to put it up on the wall. And I was like, I'll have it if you don't want it. But she was, she said to me, she was like, Dagger, I haven't painted in, like, so many years, and I've lost that ability. And I was like, that's kind of a shame, and I don't ever want to do that. You know, it's easy for, like, older women, especially who have children, like by older I just mean people who have children to be in tune with their creativity because they have to sit down with a child make bracelets Mm. and paint or like sensory learning with their kids and then they have a strict time to do that but I think why limit it to that I think if you want to paint paint find that time include other people well how do you find time because you're also busy how do I find time for me I found it a bit hard to differentiate reading for pleasure or write writing because I want to write and writing or reading because I have to do it for my degree you know and it kind of like those two things kind of merge together and I feel like at some point I lost the creativity part of it and it was it kind of became like a chore you know like reading writing and it was just not something that I was like enjoying it was more like something I have to do 
I'm like slowly pulling those things apart, you know? I've started a blog, I'm doing this, and I can be creative, do my degree and keep that separate. But I think for me, it, mostly this year, this academic year, I discovered such a big passion for like dancing and like- Ooh. Salsa, right? Yeah, salsa. I've been dancing for a few months and it's it's so good. When I dance, I feel creative, I feel free, I feel like all those like happy hormones and I'm like connecting, like as you were speaking before, like, that connection with people and it's just like, I don't even know this person's name, but I feel so connected with them for the music and the dance and it's just, it's such a special moment because you're really living in it and like, it's just that like, especially when you have a good partner, you know, it's just, it's there's so much like, sync and connection and it's just it's such a beautiful moment and I feel so creative it just fuels my body and like my mind and my emotions and every time we go out to dance I feel like all the negativity just leaves my body I feel with writing it is very therapeutic for me in a sense that like sometimes I just throw everything out on the page and it's like I don't know there was a time where I was going through like loads of anxiety attacks. I was really, really stressed and like all my poems were about anxiety and they were about like feelings, but you know, it was still like embedded in me because, you know, even though I was writing it, there was, you know, it was, it was part of me. But I think creativity through dancing or music or even writing for my blog and then having other people to read it is different because it's no longer like a part of me or like just for me it's also other people and like you said sharing your creativity I think it allows it to flourish a bit more it allows it just to kind of build do you feel like pressure when you to put out blogs with your essay writing for uni do you have lots of time? I don't know how your uni structures it but I don't have that much time to write my essay mm. in terms of just literally a couple days to read and then write the essay and hand mm. everything in when I do write that essay even if I do have time to write it I physically just can't I'm I'm getting better at like starting it and with your poetry do you feel that pressure to finish it to put it out or does it come in waves where you're like oh I'll write a bit of this I'll write a bit of that I try to not put that pressure on myself that it has to be like to a certain deadline for my blog I feel like the blog is more it's when the inspiration comes that's when I like post do you know what I mean and also like you know I have all these ideas to post on my blog but this is something my friend said she was like you know sometimes you just need more time this is not the right moment to publish this this is not the right moment for the world to see it and I think that really affects it for me writing involves a lot of exposing myself because I feel like I do put a lot of myself in my writing and like my emotions and who I am and letting other people see it and like judge it and read it and it's just like you know so it's kind of like yeah. a process it's something that I have to be ready for it's not pressure oh I have to get this and done by every week because also I'm just not that type of person I feel so much more relaxed at uni than I did in school I feel like in school I had this pressure that I have to be the best and now I'm like you know what it's fine it's fine to just relax do you know what I mean and it's, it's fine not to be you know to the deadline at every moment of your life I felt so good I was like do what makes you feel happy and be creative and it's very freeing no I just no especially when you said like in school we had that pressure to be like mm. perfect time and everything even when we were doing English together yeah. we felt like 
we were always talking about it we were like we have to like we have yeah. to hand this in like amazing like we're doing everything a to b mm-hmm. like there's a sense of like wanting to be perfect and like might i say we were doing a great job but <laughs> it was amazing but at the same time i think more so secondary schools push that agenda of like you've got to be the best you've got to yeah. do this otherwise you're not going to make it here you're not going to do that yeah. blah 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 and honestly i'm very grateful for that and that is also a mindset that i like you know i, I still have that i want to do the best that i possibly can but back then almost like competitiveness that was fueling quite a lot of those feelings you know it's got me to where i am today which i'm very grateful for but being mm-hmm. at uni again I'm so much more relaxed. Obviously, yeah. this is my second year here, but almost redoing first year because of a different degree. For the people that are in first year and haven't been to you before, they are so high strung. They're like, oh my God, we're doing a collection. And collections are these things that we do like at the beginning of each term. And obviously, you know, you have to treat your academia seriously. Like I'm not yeah. for, for being here, but it's like, you don't have to pit people against people. I feel like that pressure was in both English and Polish school though. I thought Polish school was always like, oh, who's better at Polish? Who's better at writing? Who's better? Do you know what I mean? There was always yeah. that, oh, I'm better than you, or like we're top, or whatever. It just dissolved. <laughs> like, but it's yeah. like a good it's like a good feeling that it's gone, I think. Like yeah. I don't know. I really enjoyed our last year at Polish school, mm. where I think that competition kind of fuzzled out because it was yeah. a topic that wasn't done before it was you know history obviously there was competition competitive competitive feelings from some mm-hmm. people but you know that that's <laughs> bound to happen I think it's yeah it was just so freeing to be able to kind of find your own niche and things you, mm-hmm. you know in your real life like a lot of the things it made me so passionate I didn't realize I was this passionate about history now I go back to Poland. I'm like preaching. This is what happened in 1945. My boyfriend didn't know much about the, the like what happened with Poland mm-hmm. and like even Monte Carlo. It's really special that you can kind mm-hmm. of look at things in a very useful manner instead of it being like I need to be better than you. Thank you for speaking to me in this episode. I think our discussions were really great. There was so much depth to it. I feel like we went through so many topics so many important topics thank you for inviting me i had a great time and i can't wait for the next ones thank you for listening to another episode of women get lit in the next episode i'll also be speaking to dagger continuing this episode's most important questions, discussing the sacred female space, a utopian Barbie land.